Welcome to the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast, where you'll get actionable tips and advice on major gifts, direct response fundraising, legacy giving, and much more from leading experts in the nonprofit sector. Now, here are your hosts of the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast, Andrew Olson and Roy Jones. Hi, this is Andrew Olson. Before we get into today's episode, I want to talk to you leader to leader about something important. As leaders, especially at times of rapid change and uncertainty, it's easy to live and act from a place of fear. If we're not careful, that fear can paralyze us and keep us from effectively leading at work, at home, and in every relationship. But that doesn't have to be the case. My friend Ben Straub, founder of Velocity Strategy Solutions, a growth architecture firm that helps leaders and organizations accelerate revenue and maximize impact through data-driven strategies, has just released a great new resource for leaders. It's called Eight Things Leaders Say When They Fear Change and How to Confront Those Fears. This five-page resource gives you eight of the most frequent responses we as leaders have when we experience fear and the specific steps and language that you can use to move beyond fear to action. Click the link in the episode show notes to get this resource today. You'll be a better leader tomorrow because of it. Hey, this is Andrew Olson with the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast. I'm super excited. This is the first in a special series of conversations on leadership that we're hosting. And I'm thrilled that uh, my friend Doug Smith has joined me for this conversation. Doug, welcome to the show. Andrew, it's an honor and I appreciate your leadership and it's been fun to watch you grow and develop over the last, I don't know, eight or nine years that I've known you and uh, it's just an honor to be on your show. Very proud of you, my friend. Likewise, my friend. So for our listeners, Doug is uh, Director of Development at Light of Life Rescue Mission, but he's also founder and president of L3 Leadership. And I will just tell you, Doug is probably the most positive and engaging person that I know. So I I am super excited to get a chance to hear from him today and to talk leadership experience with Doug. So again, Doug, thanks thanks for being here. Tell us a little bit about L3 Leadership. Yeah, so L3 Leadership, I, I became passionate about leadership at a, a, when I was a teenager, probably around 18 years old, when someone told me for the first time in my life that I was a leader. I don't know if we have time to go in my whole story, but I was a drug dealer in high school, and really my life was headed nowhere really, really fast. I had to go to summer school every year, just get to the next grade, and really never thought that I would ever amount to anything, never thought I would do anything with my life. My dad's a bus driver, and so obviously there's nothing wrong with being a bus driver, but I just thought, hey, I'll be a bus driver or a janitor, you know, no big deal. And I lost my mom my senior year of high school, and that through an experience of, of faith in that experience, uh, turned my life around and had several mentors come into my life and uh, tell me that I had leadership potential and tell me that I could make a difference with my life, and uh, I believed them. And really, that started this whole journey of of leadership development, and I'm sure we'll get into that more. But uh, about five years ago, uh, I really felt uh, a responsibility, to be honest with you, to give to others and do for others what was done for me through mentorship. And so we started this organization called L3 Leadership, and we are obsessed with helping people grow to their maximum potential and to maximize the impact of their leadership. And so we do that through five different things that we do. Uh, We have a podcast as well, and so we come out with content every single week for free. It's usually a mix of interviews where I interview high-level leaders, and then I do personal lessons as well. We have a membership platform where you can actually join, and in the membership platform, we do live monthly calls uh, where you get access to globally known leaders, uh, and you have a chance to ask them questions and learn from them. We have courses and all kind of fun stuff on the back end of our membership platform. We do mastermind groups. This is our bread and butter. This has been the biggest source of growth in my life, and so we intentionally get people to gather in mastermind groups that meet on a consistent basis to grow. We've partnered with a nonprofit in our city to do a leadership collaborative, and then we do a one-day leadership 
leadership conference as well. And so all of those things have uh, one intention in mind, that's to add value to leaders. That's awesome. So I think for our listeners, it should be clear that Doug knows a thing or two about leadership. So let's, let's jump into it. Talk to me about, you know, how, how would you describe your leadership philosophy? Yeah. So John Maxwell is my hero. So someone handed me a John Maxwell CD when I was 17. This was actually the start. A uh, mentor handed me it and I listened to the CD. I knew nothing about personal development. And I literally, after I listened to the, the CD, I called my mentor and I said, give me everything you have. And uh, John's been the most influential leader in my life for the past 17 years. And so I pretty much adopt any leadership philosophy that he has. And at its basic root, I believe that leadership is influence, nothing more and nothing less. And so whether you influence one or you influence millions, I believe that you're a leader. At the end of the day, you have to at least lead yourself. <laughs> if you are in a family, you have to lead your family. If you're in an organization, you probably have influence and leadership over uh, some amount of people or responsibility. And so I just come from the premise that everyone's a leader and everyone needs to grow to their maximum potential. And if they do, they'll maximize that leadership impact that they can have. And at the end of the day, it's all about people. Uh, if people aren't better as a result of leadership, then you shouldn't be in leadership. I think a lot of people get into leadership because they want the perks and they think that it comes with all these great things uh, until they're in it and they get punched in the face. I see you smiling and laughing. I mean, to be honest with you, and we might get into this, you know, I became director of development almost two years ago now. And actually, I didn't even want the position, to be honest with you. And, uh, and again, I'm a person of faith. And so I, through a series of circumstances, I felt like uh, the Lord was leading me to take the position. And now two years later, uh, it was a painful year and a half to start off that job. But I feel like I was baptized in, in kindergarten in leadership and I've really had to grow and develop. And I just learned that leadership, <laughs> leadership often sucks. Something that's helped me immensely is John Maxwell has been saying recently that there is no, if you're a leader, there will never be two easy consecutive days in your life. And uh, I've just adopted that as a, as a leadership philosophy because I have yet to see that happen since I stepped in this leadership role. Oh man, I, I might need to get that as a tattoo. That's, that's really good right there. Um, <laughs> so based on what you said, I think you'd agree with me. If someone is not leading themselves well behind closed doors, I feel like it's impossible to lead well publicly. Yes. Unpack that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, well, I love it. I mean, again, I quote John all the time, but it's true. It's like, if you wouldn't follow yourself, why should anyone else? And, and I think sometimes people go into leadership because they just want people to follow them when they wouldn't even follow themselves. So yeah. And I was on a, I was doing a call yesterday with, uh, I was, a, I was the only male speaker on a, a female conference. It was called chic influencer. And I was just talking to people about, I think right now people have, are either realizing that they have done the leadership development they needed to become the person they need to be on the inside to lead through crisis or they haven't. And, uh, and I think this is when we're realizing why we need to become bigger and grow bigger on the inside and be able to lead ourselves. Cause if you can't lead yourself in a crisis, how are you ever going to lead other people through crisis? And so it's everything. And so if you're not growing and developing on a daily basis, you are, you're, you're in for a rough road. That's all I can say. <laughs> so you've interviewed a ton of different leaders from many different sectors. I'm curious to know what's the, the like, if you had to pick one thing, what's the number one piece of leadership advice you've ever received? So I'm, th I'm about to turn 35 years old. I would say the most consistent answer that I think is fascinating, and I don't know your audience, but I think for young leaders, this is the best advice I ever heard. I always ask the question, uh, you know, if you could go back and have coffee with your 20-year-old self, what would you tell them? And I would say at least 75% of the leaders I interview say in one way or another, just relax. 
<laughs> relax and, and realize that all the dreams and aspirations in your heart, like they're going to happen if you do the right thing, if you just grow and develop. And, and they say over and over again, like, do not miss the journey on the way there. And don't, don't look down on the season of development. We all need developed. And the reality is for until we're in our prime, it's going to be 10, 15, 20 years before you get into the leadership role that may be in your heart when you're 20. And again, going back to something that John said, he just said, listen, uh, in the beginning, you're not very good and just be okay with that. And you know, I think about the past two years, like mistakes I've made, it's just like, oh my goodness. And you just want to tell people like, listen, I know I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. Just give me a chance. Let me grow. But what he said is so good. He said, but if you do things right and you grow in the end, you're not as good as people think. And somewhere in between those two is where you should live. And so I think more than anything, it's just enjoy the journey do what you're supposed to do, grow every day and it'll all turn out right. And don't stress out about, am I going to be, I actually put this quote on my, my thing. John said this, he said uh, on, on my LinkedIn today, he said, it was never on my bucket list to be number one, but it's always been on my bucket list to be the best that I could be. And I think that speaks straight to the heart of what those leaders are getting at. That's interesting. Okay. So next question, I'm, I'm curious about, and you already talked a little bit about this in, in your intro, but what do you think the most important values are that a leader can demonstrate to those in her or his care? Yeah, uh, I think you have to lead by example. I think that's huge. Uh, you have to value people and actually show that you care. But I'm, I'm also learning. So my, my nature is to naturally care for people. I value people. I'm very relational. But I've also had to learn, and I'm still learning to be honest with you, uh, people also value candor. And you can be a people pleaser all day and encourage people all day. But if you're not going to have the strength to tell people the truth and tell them what they need to hear to grow, uh, eventually you'll lose their respect and you'll, you'll stop leading. And so that's been a, a hard thing. But I think you have to value people, but also value candor and actually helping people versus just making them happy. I think that's huge. For me, one of our values at, at L3 Leadership is character. And I, we believe the character development is the most important development. I was on a call the other day, I was interviewing someone and we were just talking about someone that we look up to that's in their seventies. And I think in our generation, it's so easy to look up to someone that's in their thirties and in forties and, and say, wow, I just want to follow everything they say and everything they say is brilliant. But to be honest with you, and this is including me, like our leadership hasn't stood the test of time. You know, it's great that I'm leading well at 35, but I really admire and look up to and want to learn from those leaders that are 70, 75, 85, and still have their, their marriage intact, still have their family intact, have, have done great things, but their life is more complete and they had the character to get them through. And so we always just tell people, focus more on your character development than anything else, because if you don't, you'll never make it to your leadership finish line. Um, my pastor always tells me, he said, I think about 2% of, of leaders make it to their finish line. Uh, and it's primarily always character issues. And so more than anything, grow your character. And I think when you do that, you do lead example for your team and, and raise the bar for their character as well. And I think that's huge. That's good stuff. Character and candor. I love that. Let's talk about this. How, how do you approach this and what have you seen work best? You know, obviously in leadership, you can't force people to do things they don't want to do, right? So no matter how hard we try and, and you know, I'll tell you, early in my career, I thought force was the way to do it. And I've learned painfully that it's not. But so, so what have you learned about how a great leader brings people along with them on the journey to, to get from point A to the leader's desired point B, but in a way that doesn't damage relationships? Yep. So, so back to the candor, this is something I'm not naturally strong in. And this was actually one of my pain points of 2019 and, and, and leadership growth, to be honest with you. So I can just tell you what I'm learning. 
I can't speak from like, hey, I'm so good at this. But what I am learning is uh, on the candor end, something that really set me free. I, I actually had the opportunity to have lunch with John Maxwell uh, in January. And I sat down and I said, listen, I have this huge lid in my life and my leadership that I'm so relational and I care so much about what other people think that I'm unable to, to lead them the way I want to. And he looked at me and he said, Doug, I understand that. He's like, actually, my CEO, I've had the same conversation with him. And I said, he said to his CEO, he said, Mark, the good news is everybody loves you. The bad news is your leadership isn't enough to get people to where they need to go for the journey for our organization. And that resonated so much. And I said, well, well how did he grow? And, and John actually said, well, I had to go through that same journey. So I said, please just speak into my heart and tell me what I need to do. And this is going to be my statement of the year, maybe the statement of my 30s. But he just looked at me and I don't know why this went off, but he just said, Doug, you have to make the decision to always love people, but not depend on their love. Mm. I'll say that again, because literally that changed everything. That's huge. Yeah. Doug, you always uh, make the decision to always love people, but not to depend on their love. And so, uh, and actually all these interviews I'm doing, I interviewed someone else that mentored him and asked him the same thing. And he actually challenged this person, which I'm doing this week. He said, now, if you're in that transition, I want you to journal and I want you to make two columns and I want you to make a column of, of Doug before and Doug the leader after. And, and, and when you come up with that, let's share that with your team. And so I'm working on that right now. Hey, here's how Doug used to operate. I used to not be honest with people because I wanted them to like me. And, and I didn't, you know, even if I was disappointed in their performance or whatever, I used to just, et cetera. And then, but the new Doug, Hey, I'm going to love you. I'm going to care about you, but I'm not going to depend on your love and I'll love you enough to always be honest with you. So that's an example. And, and I plan on sitting before my team. Now I have acted on that since my lunch with John and I would just say, and he helped me through these conversations. Um, but just sitting down with a team member and one telling them that you love them and that you care for them, but telling them that you love and care for them enough to be honest with them. And then for me, uh, I've had to learn and grow a lot in the art of how to have hard conversations. And I actually have a system and I don't know if you can include tools, but there's a tool we use at light of life called the information wheel. And it's a process to help you talk out or write out a conversation. And so I actually take that before I have any hard conversation and I'll write it out. And, and to give you some examples, it's basically like, hey, what is the sensory data? So what is the issue going on? And then you say, uh, like, what are the facts? And then you write out in journal, what am I thinking, which is really helpful. And then you write, what am I feeling? And then you go through a whole section on what are my wants? So what are my wants for the person I'm talking to? What are my wants for me? What are my wants for our team? And what are our wants for the organization? And I, and I share those with the people. And then basically you talk about action steps and say, hey, in the past, I haven't been honest with you. And so this may come as a total shock for you. But my current actions are I'm currently going to be honest with you and I'm going to tell you the truth. And, and I, I promise to do that from now on. And in the future, these conversations should be easier and pretty consistent and it should just be a coaching relationship. So, you, so I write out that conversation. I have it with the individual. When I meet with them, I say, hey, I'm going to share this whole thing and I just want you to listen. Please don't interrupt. And after I share it, I want you to repeat back to me what you heard. And then that gives them an opportunity to say, well, hey, I heard this, this, and this. And they either heard you accurately or they didn't. And then you say, okay, yeah, you heard me correctly. Now, what do you think? And then you do the same thing. Hey, listen to them. And you just have a conversation. And I think that leads to the conversations you need to put some intentional change plans or what we call them into place and just help people grow. And, and just, I think this goes back to leading by example. You know, don't ask someone to grow and, and tell them that they need to do more if, if they don't see you doing that. 
if you want to talk about teachability, we have a quarterly retreat every week, uh, every quarter with our team. And one of the questions we always ask with our team in this retreat are, are hey, is there anything causing disunity or distrust uh, or holding our team back? And one retreat in 2019, the team was very candid with me. And, and it was awkward, right? My whole team's there. And, and basically this one team member said, Doug, you're, you're the lid. And I thought that's special. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I just sat there and I'm like, okay. And everyone's not in their head. I'm like, okay, but, but as a leader, what, what do you do in that situation? For me, I heard it. I received it. I assessed it. They were right. And so I had to change and adapt and I changed and adapt and I grew and I'm not perfect, but it made me more self-aware it made the team realize that I'm willing to, I'm not only going to ask them to change, but they can ask me to change because we all need to grow better together. And so I hope that helps, but th that would be my process and what I would tell you for, for coaching people and getting them to move in the direction you want them to. Yeah, I think that's really insightful. And it's, I mean, it's really interesting to me that your team was able to give that feedback because one of the things I hear all the time from leaders is I can't get candid feedback from my team, right? And a lot of that's about the culture that we establish and how we you know, create that conversation about feedback. So, you know, it sounds like you, you've, for, for all the challenges that you've had, there, there's a really intentional way that you've developed that conversation internally so that people feel comfortable and safe to give that feedback, right? Yeah. And, and I'll just say that. So we do that in our quarterly retreats and that's not an open invitation for me. It's, it's really on our team and we certainly wrestle through other issues, but in my one-on-ones with everyone that, that reports to me, I'm always asking, you know, I, leaders say that all the time, but two questions for the leaders that say they don't get feedback. One is, do you ask for it? <laughs> Here's a novel thought. If you've never asked for it, no wonder you haven't got it. The second thought is if you've received it, what did you do with it? Did you get defensive and shut the person down and say you're an idiot? If you did, you're going to be surrounded with people who will never give you feedback and never say anything to you because they're intimidated by you. You have to model teachability. And if you're not teachability, that's your lid as a leader and that will hold you back for the rest of your life until you learn to be teachable. And last thing on teachability, I've, I've actually been credited for being too teachable. Where, But again, this goes back to the sensitivity of being a people pleaser. Like I'll hear one person say, you got to do this. I'm like, okay, and okay. And before I would say in my growth journey that I would, I would adapt to feedback just to make people happy versus adapting because I wanted to get better. And so I've had to learn to actually say, okay, am I just, is this something I actually need to grow in? Or is this something I'm just doing to please this person? And, and that's been a world of difference in, in growing. Awesome. So I want to ask, and I get your, your candid take on this. What's the biggest risk you've ever taken as a leader? And what did you learn from that? Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, well, risk management, risk management has never been a strong suit of mine. I'm growing in that area. For, I mean, for me, it's just, it's, it's a risk starting L3 leadership and jumping out there. It was a risk taking the new role as director of development. I mean, I think throughout your leadership journey, you're always going to have to take risks. I would just always just say it's worth it. You know, when, when people on their deathbed, they usually, one of the major things they have regrets about is they didn't take any risks. Mm -hmm. And so as a leader, and if you're going to grow, you're going to have to take risks and realize you're going to fail and it's okay. It's how you uh, respond in failure, right? Actually, I was just having a, a review with my, my, uh, my boss yesterday and, and uh, my first board meeting as director of development was a huge failure. Like, uh, actually you, <laughs> uh, I'll just be real candid. Uh, I don't, I think that's just how, who I am. Andrew. Oh, anyway, 
a company and someone I know developed a report for us and I thought it was really good. So I handed it out to the board members, but I couldn't explain anything on it. <laughs> and so, so my first board meeting, all these board members start looking into these reports and asking me questions. And I, I just like shut down. I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, why would you give us a report? You don't know how to explain. And so, I mean, you want to talk about walking home with your tail in between your legs, but in the midst of failure and taking risks, uh, what happened, man, I got, I, I could have gave up. I could have quit. I could have said I'm not meant for this, but I got back up again. And so, and I determined, and he, when, every time you take a risk and fail, just make the determination that you'll never do that again. And every board meeting I've had since has been great. And I've earned the board's trust and respect. And, and, but that came through massive, massive failure. <laughs> but, but, you know, 2019 was a brutal year for me because of the risk of taking on this new role. But 2020 has been unbelievable. And I would say without having to go through 2019, I would have never made it to 2020. And there were, there was at least a dozen times in 2019 where I just wanted to throw in the towel and just go crawl in a hole and never come <laughs> out. So risks are always worth it. Just realize you're going to fail and be willing to get back up and develop tenacity. It's the only way you'll grow. All right. Thank you. I know we're, we're close to, to time for you here. I, one more question though. As a leader, you're always on, right? You're, you're always on at Light of Life in your director of development role. You're always on at L3 leadership in your president role. You're always on at home as a, an active husband and father. You're always on in the community. You're always on with you know church and other volunteer relationships and responsibilities. How does someone like many of the leaders that we're probably talking to right now that's doing these kind of things find the opportunity to recharge? Talk about that a little bit. Yep. Uh, so I would say until January, uh, in 2020, I was horrible at this and never took a break. And, and then I started getting good at this and then COVID-19 happened and that all went out the window. But what I will return to, and, and actually things are starting to get more normalized after that first month of COVID-19, which was crazy. But I would just say this, and again, I'm a person of faith. There's a book I read this year that, that literally is the best book I've read in the last five years. And it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Again, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Now, again, he's a pastor. So uh, for those of you who aren't a person of faith, uh, it may not be for you. But for me, he spoke to so many things in that book. But the two things that, that's, that really transformed how I live as a, and rest as a leader are one is the implementation of a Sabbath. And before, uh, if you would have said Sabbath me, I would just like laugh and be like, whatever. But he actually, I'm an Enneagram 7. I want to make everything fun. He made it sound fun. And, he, and there was a quote in there. It's basically like, man, your Sabbath day? And, and, and for those who aren't in faith, it just means a whole day off where you don't do anything having to do with work. You don't think about work. You don't solve problems. You just have, basically, you rest and have fun. And there was a quote in there who basically said, like, our Sabbath or our rest day should be the day we look forward to most each week and the day that we reflect back on most throughout the week because it was so meaningful. And it's a day filled with friendship and, and memories made with your family and days day sleeping in and cooking meals together. And so my wife and I started implementing that and it's been unbelievable. And, and alongside with that, he also encouraged you to do a digital detox. And there's a phone app called, I think it's just called Moment. Uh, in the moment app and it's wonderful and they have a boot camp to help you have a digital detox. It literally cut my phone time in half, which was absolutely amazing. I had no idea how addicted to my phone I was. And the scary part is it tracks how many, it tracks how long you're on, which most phones do, but it also tracks how many times you pick up your phone a day. And uh, you want to talk about a scary stat, that's scary. So, um, 
I would just say implement a day off where you do nothing and you solve no problems. And of course there's going to be days where you have to do something, but make it a sacred day for you and your family and do a digital detox. It'll be one of the best things you do. So that would be what I would tell people. Awesome. Doug, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for sharing your insights with us. How can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about L3 leadership, want to learn more about light of life, you in general, what's the best way? For Light of Life, just go to lightoflife.org and you'll see everything there. We're based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we're a nonprofit that serves the homeless men, women, and children of our city. So if you're in Pittsburgh, we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to have you come down to the mission for a tour. Uh, if you're into leadership development, you can just go to l3leadership.org and you'll find all the ways to connect with us on there. I don't know when this will air, but we just released a free course uh, for leaders called How to Lead Through Crisis. And this is something we're doing for our members on a consistent basis where we're going to be developing courses to help you grow and develop as a leader in addition to those live monthly webinars. Uh, but this one's available to, for free for the public. So if, if you think that would add value to you, uh, you can just hop on our website and, and get access to that. So Andrew, thank you for having me. Uh, I love everything you do. I learn from you literally every day, I feel like. And so um, just thank you for being a leader, putting content out there. Everything you do matters. And uh, I'm just honored to call you a friend. Hey, man, appreciate you. Same, same here. And uh, I also learn from you every day. In fact, I was listening to one of your recent podcasts this morning before we jumped on this. So appreciate everything you're doing for the community. And uh, thanks for being here. Thanks, man. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast, brought to you exclusively by Newport One. Newport One can make a difference in your fundraising so that you can change the world. You can always reach us at podcast at newportone.com. Please take a moment to rate this episode on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. When you rate this episode, it will help more nonprofit leaders just like you to help find us and get the information that they need to raise more funds for their organization. Thanks again for listening today.